During Advent this year, um, we have been drawing closer to Jesus by thinking about his gospel promises in the Old Testament. And we've moved away from traditional passages and we're doing something a bit different this year. In part one, we discovered that the first gospel promise was given right at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter three to Adam and Eve. We learned that from the beginning, the promiser promised to send the seed, the redeemer. In part two, we discovered that the promise of the seed was carried through to Noah, to his son Shem, and reached Abraham. Abraham was given the promise from the promiser that the whole world would be blessed through his seed, the redeemer. And today we will be asking the question, how was the promise about the seed carried on? How was the promise carried on? So we've been following the thread of the Old Testament promise of the coming seed. This was not a set of random or obscure promises, but it is a thread that consistently works its way through the generations of God's people who tried, who failed, and who tried again to be faithful to God. The seed promise was all about the rescue plan of the coming Redeemer and pointed to God's faithfulness and love for his people. The promise to Abraham about the seed was made by God in person. God did not choose Abraham because of his own goodness, but he was counted as righteous only because he trusted in the promiser. Are you with me? Yeah. Who gave the promise about his seed, the Messiah. The one who led Abraham outside to gaze at the stars in the night sky. He was the one that promised him that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars. Then the Lord miraculously gave Abraham and his wife Sarah their promised son Isaac. And the Lord appeared to Isaac and reiterated the great seed promise in Genesis chapter 26. The thread continues on to Isaac's unlikely son, Jacob. He was a schemer, manipulator, and deceiver. However, he valued his father's blessing in ways that Esau did not. Unlike Esau, who was short-sighted and impulsive, Jacob understood the significance of the blessing of the Lord. And this was far more important to him than any earthly achievements. In a crisis, Jacob finds himself wrestling with the angel of the Lord, God himself. And he was desperate for the blessing that only God could give him. Jacob sees God face to face and he lives. In this encounter, Jacob would forever be a changed man. He goes from being an ambitious deceiver to learning to persistently cling to God and not let go. Cling to God and not let go. I love that about Jacob. But he knew 
that God was the source of blessing. And he knew that God would fight his battles. And God changes his name to Israel. Israel. Not long before his death, Israel, Jacob, told his beloved son, Joseph, about the seed promise. He picks up the seed promise and he speaks about it as an everlasting covenant when he shares it with Joseph. So you following the thread with me? So, unlike his predecessors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Moses was not in the line of the promised seed, but he heard firsthand about that gospel promise because Moses frequently met with the Lord and the promise was reiterated. Moses was the chosen representative for God to the people. And he is reminding them of that promise. Weak Moses became a mighty prophet who would speak God's word to the people. This had all launched into effect when Moses had encountered the angel of the Lord standing in flames of fire at the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3. Was Moses encountering the pre-incarnate Christ, the second person of the Trinity? I believe he was. I believe he was. I believe this was Jesus, the leader, the redeemer, and the saviour of humankind. From that moment onwards, Moses would meet with the Lord, and he would be guided by him for the rest of his life. Moses led the entire Hebrew nation, the descendants of Abraham, a numerous people, as numerous as the stars in the sky. Out of slavery in Egypt, under the Pharaoh's oppressive regime, and towards the promised land, under the direction, protection and care of the Lord himself. And in our passage today, Moses says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. The Lord adds more detail to the gospel promise to Moses about the coming seed. And Moses tells the nation that the seed will emerge from among them and he will carry the absolute authority of God. For this prophet to be truly like Moses, he would teach the people to turn to God. He would perform signs and wonders. He would explain God's law. He would pray and intercede for his people and deliver the people from their enemy. Why? Because he loved them. With that promise about the Messiah in place, it's no surprise that the Jews in Jesus' day expected the Messiah to be the prophet like Moses. When Jesus performed signs and wonders, the people began to contemplate the possibility that Jesus could be, he could be the promised seed, the Messiah. Many people anticipated the coming of this prophet 
We can think of examples like the Samaritan woman from the Gospel of John, chapter 4. The prophecy of Moses was authentic, and it came true in Jesus Christ. And when the Apostle Peter was preaching in the temple in Acts chapter 3, he was clear that it was Jesus who was the prophet that Moses was speaking about. And again, when the deacon, Stephen, the martyr, addressed the religious council, he made the same connection in his preaching. But some of the religious authorities had thought that Moses was solely referring to Joshua as the prophet because he led Israel into the promised land. But Moses was picking up the ancient promise that God had revealed to him about the coming seed. And he prophesied about Jesus, the Redeemer, the one to follow. It was Christ, it was Christ who was the object of Moses' hope and faith. Are you with me? Are you with me? As we read through the Bible, we continue to see details added to the gospel promise as it is carried forward from character to character, from generation to generation. The promise about the seed wends its way through the canon of scripture and the details about the promised seed become clearer and clearer and gain more definition. Jesus the seed would be like a prophet Moses because he would reveal God's loving heart. But he would be and is so much more than a prophet. The theologian John Calvin said, in order that faith may find a firm basis for salvation in Christ and thus rest in him, this principle must be laid down. Ready? The office enjoined upon Christ by the Father consists of three parts. For he was given to be prophet, priest, and king. As we read through the Bible, we see more detail is given to the gospel promised. And we discover more about who Jesus is and what he does and the roles he fulfills. Are you with me? It's exciting. If anything today, I want us to have an excitement, capture an excitement about reading the Old Testament and seeing Jesus there in the words. So, in Nicky Gumbel's Bible commentary, he tells a story about a six-year-old girl who is drawing a picture one day. Her teacher said to her, what are you drawing? The little girl answered, I am drawing a picture of God. The teacher was surprised and said, but nobody knows what God looks like. The little girl carried on drawing and replied, they will in a minute.
It's very easy for us to create God in our own image. But we don't need to do that. We don't need to do that. The patriarchs and the matriarchs that we've been thinking about in this Advent mini-series didn't create God in their own image because they actually encountered him personally. And they received his gospel promises firsthand. They had personal encounter with God. They didn't need to create an image of him in their own likeness. We don't need to create God in our image because our God is not distant, uninterested or impersonal. As we have seen, God in Jesus was present and active on earth in the Gospels through his life. But I would argue also present and active on the earth long before his incarnation at Bethlehem. The Son of God frequently visited the earth and appeared to his people in different forms, primarily as the angel of the Lord, as the glory of the Lord, or as the word of the Lord. So when you read your Old Testament, remember that. The Bible itself reveals to us exactly what God is like. That's why we don't need to create God in our own image. The Bible tells us what God is like. The most important thing for us as followers of Jesus is to authentically encounter Jesus for ourselves. Are you with me? I would argue the most important thing in your life, in my life, is that we encounter Jesus for ourselves. Because we'll be transformed when we do. We will be completely transformed every time we encounter him for ourselves. We'll never be the same. Just as we have seen with the patriarchs and matriarchs, they are never the same once they've encountered Jesus. How can we encounter Jesus. Well, I feel like I've opened up another potential sermon series here, so I can't promise to answer the question. How can we encounter Jesus? We can encounter him when we read the Bible. We can encounter him when we pray. We can encounter him when we worship together and share fellowship together. We can experience him working through us when we serve others and show them kindness and compassion. Are you with me? So, how can we remember all of this? How was the promise about the seed carried on? The promise of the seed was given by the promiser through personal encounter with his people. Personal encounter with God is the most important thing in our lives. Amen. Let's pray.
Help us, Lord, to trust in you and your promises. Help us to open our hearts to encounter you. Bring us closer to you. Bring us understanding about who you are and what you have done through Christ as we celebrate your arrival this Christmas tide. Lord, we wait for you in anticipation to meet with you every day. You're so loving and kind and compassionate and gentle with us. We long to experience more of you and be changed by your love and to be changed by that encounter. May each one of us encounter you. In Jesus' name, amen.